0: If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Second Chronicles chapter twenty. We've been um, walking through a series in Old Testament battles, and this is going to be the last, um, the last message in this series on Old Testament battles. Um, it just so happens that um, as we, like I, I kind of chose this a few months back, and um, and kind of wanted to land the Old Testament battles. Um, Trying to help us as a church understand a little bit more about prayer, and my question becomes: What we, what do you do when you're under attack? What do, you, what do, you, no, no, and and automatically, to be honest with you, my mind kind of goes to my mind kind of goes to this. Um, it goes to the thought of Ukraine. Can you imagine what it would be like to, to in in America, if that same kind of thing began to happen in America, where all of a sudden now we didn't even feel safe in our homes. We kind of, remember how when the the whole thing with Ukraine kind of started, there were so many of them that were going into hiding underground because they were afraid to be in some of these buildings because these buildings were getting blown up. Can you, can you imagine what that must have been like, what it must have felt like sleeping nights in some underground kind of places? Can you imagine what it would be like to actually be under attack, like literally under attack? Now, the reality of it is, is that we're not facing that today, Right? We, we're not having to go underground.'re not having to um, we're not having to build these bomb shelters, although if you're a doomsday prepper, you probably have one. <laughs> I'm not going to point you out. All right And, and, and so just kind of trying to understand that, but the reality of it is this is that actually we are under attack. We're under attack from an enemy that we cannot see. That, that most of us are, under, are unaware of until all of a sudden like it jumps in front of our face and we're like, oh. And, and so this morning I think what Jehoshaphat was trying to help the, the okay, so at this time in 2 Chronicles, the, it was, the, the, the nation was split into two different kingdoms. There was a northern kingdom, there was a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was Israel, the southern kingdom was Judah. And, and Jehoshaphat was the king of, of Judah at this time. And, uh, and uh, I, b- I believe it was uh, Ahab was the king of, of, of uh, the northern part of Israel, okay? And what Jehoshaphat come, and we'll see this in just a moment in, in, in the reading, is that Jeho- Jehoshaphat came to this moment where he didn't know what to do. And so his only response was to go to prayer. And and I and I thought about that. I thought about that. And actually, I don't know if this illustration is gonna work. It came to me about five, six o'clock this morning. And so just bear with me. If it doesn't work, just give me a thumbs down, okay? <laughs> it's really interesting this past week. Our son went to school and um he he was what what was it that he said, Ash? Remember where he said thumbs down? He what? Oh, eggs, right. We're trying to get him to try eggs. We're like, hey, Eli, come on, just try some eggs. Just try some eggs. And he's like, Eli Eli doesn't like eggs. Thumbs down. I'm like, the dude speaking out him emojis. He's a five-year-old, right? Thumbs down. Anyway. Okay, so growing up, I grew up like late 80s. I was born 1972, so 80s, 90s, you know, I'm, I'm the uh, Gen Xers, right? I think I'm a Gen Xer. Um, how many people are Gen Xers? All right. Y'all don't have to be so excited about it, right? Then all the boomers, boomers, right? And everybody younger than that, we don't really care about. All right. Just kidding. Just kidding. I know all the fifth graders like stepped in here and they're like, what are these people? These people are weird. <laughs> Sixth graders, we're glad you're here, right? <laughs> all right. Awesome. And, and so, I grew up, grew up 80s, 90s, loved basketball. And obviously, Michael Jordan was one of my favorite, and I've told you guys that multiple times. Michael Jordan was one of my favorites. I used to try and imitate everything that he would do. Well, there was this one time that Michael Jordan, in a dunk contest, jumped from the free throw line and dunked it, right? How many people have seen that? All right. Yes. Twelve of you. Cool. All right. And so, this is the picture right here. Michael Jordan, man, jumping from the free-throw line, you know, and dunking it, and so, I would go out into my driveway, and I would attempt to do the same thing, right? And I would attempt to do the same thing, and it never failed. I always failed, you know? I'm short. I'm white. the, the goal's too high, you know, all this kind of thing. So I would always, so I learned really quickly as I was growing that if I lowered the goal, it became more possible, <laughs> right, right? And so, um, so I think there it, it's, it teaches, this illustration hopefully teaches us a little bit about prayer. Because I think sometimes we see prayer like that, we see prayer like that. We're like, man, it's just, it's so complicated. It's unattainable. I'm not sure that I can actually do it. I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried. I mean, I draw that line, and I run, and I jump, and I, and I try and dunk, and it just never, it just never happens. And I think we're looking at it wrong. This is the way we need to be looking at it. We're, we're, it's so easy. It can be so easy and it can be so attainable. I don't know where the ten foot line is, but I bet if I ran, y'all want me to try? (laughs) Look, here we go. (laughs) Yeah. Did that go in? Way off. Sometimes prayer is like that. Way off. You you understand what I'm saying? Is that sometimes we overcomplicate prayer. Yeah, really we, we overcomplicate it. And because and, 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 I can't remember, it never fails that every, um, every circle that I end up in, even if it's my family or if it's you know, like sometimes here at the church or in a small group or somewhere, guess who they always ask to pray? <laughs> and sometimes I say no. Because I'm not the only one who can pray. I'm not the only one who has access to the Father. And and what I, what I love is to actually hear a person who really just struggles with it to actually pray. And so, what I want to do this morning is hopefully help you, give you a little bit of a word picture that prayer, you see, prayer puts our heart in a, in a position— To know God even more. It puts us in a position to attempt to understand the heart of God even more. And I think sometimes we're like, well, because we've become a culture that's so fast-paced, we don't actually want to take the time to actually do it. And to be honest with you, probably the majority of us in here don't actually discipline ourselves to set aside time to where we go every single day to that same place, same time to spend time with the Lord because I can't, I can't tell you how many times that I ask people like, hey, tell me about your prayer life. And they're like, well, I pray in my car while I'm driving. That's okay. That's great. And you can still have a relationship with God in that, and then you can still hear from him. But I really wanna challenge you this morning. If your whatever your prayer life looks like, if it looks like five minutes, take it to 10 minutes. If it looks like 10 minutes, take it to 20 minutes. And, and there's nothing wrong with setting, whoa. There's nothing wrong with setting a timer. Because what you'll find is the timer will go off and you're not done. Now there may be a few times on the front of you're like, oh timer, 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 (laughs) timer, timer. timer. Oh, it's done. But the more that you actually run toward it, the more that you'll find that it becomes not just something you do, but it's something that you desire. And too many times we look at it like Jordan, like we can never get there. We can, because to be honest with you, there's not a single one of you in here who could ever dunk a basketball from the, tem- from the free throw line. But you're like, but God says all things are possible. Well, you're right. But you're still not going to do that. <laughs> but he does make it Attainable. If we look at it from a little bit different perspective, and so I want to challenge you to that this morning. Okay, uh Second Chronicles chapter twenty, verses one says, "After this." After this, the Moabites, I'm going to have some key verses, okay, some key verses that I want us to look at, uh, verse 4, verse 12, verse 15, verse 17, that I want you to circle. I want you to highlight. If you have your phone, I want you to, you can use the little highlight if you're using you version. Um, if you don't have your Bible or you don't have your phone, write it down on a piece of paper, go home and go home and read it. After this, the Moabites, the uh, Ammonites, and uh, some of the Mennonites, I always think of the Minions, right? The minions. <laughs> And some of the Mennonites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. Now, what you need to understand about this is that now the, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, but this army that was actually coming against Jehoshaphat was actually coming from the south. They had actually already worked their way into the southern part of the kingdom in Judah, and they were actually coming up from the south and had, had already gotten pretty far in, uh, in, into this area. Okay? Some people came and told you, Hoshaphat, army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazazon, Tamar. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to, in, to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. Now, I love that because Je, uh, Jehoshaphat knew he was under attack and instead of trying to gather his army together and start getting all his supplies and everything, it says he inquired of the Lord. See, his first response was to go to the Lord. And verse four, says this, the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to, to what? To seek him. Now, what I love about that is what Jehoshaphat did was he said, okay, I'm not only going to inquire of the Lord, but now I'm going to call all the people. I'm going to call all the people to come together and let's do everything we possibly can to seek the Lord, to go after him. He called a fast. He said, hey guys, I want every one of you to fast. And the reality of it is, if I were to ask you to fast today, there are many of you that probably wouldn't even do it because you don't give a rip what I say. But can you imagine the king Jehoshaphat coming to them and saying, hey, guys, okay, we need to fast. We're in dire straits. We're under attack, and we need to fast because we don't know what's going to happen. They're coming after us. We're really scared. We're really afraid, and we don't know what to do, and so we just got to go ask the Lord, what is it that we do? And the people came together. And here's what I'm going to be. I'm just going to be a little honest with you. I'm honest but vague. Is that over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the mission of the church. And we're going to be talking about some of the future of the church in, in, in October. And what I'm going to ask you to do as the body of Christ is to come together and pray and seek the Lord and have faith together. I'm just putting it out there. Okay, so if you want to turn and run, then probably now is a good time to do that. And I say that carefully. But I believe that I'm at a point where I believe that God has so much more for us. There's so much more that God wants to do in us and through us. If we'll just put put ourselves in that position to see him do incredible things. So, he said, the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord, and indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Verse 5, then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, okay, now there are 650 prayers in the Bible, and this just happens to be one of them. And here's what we're going to learn. We're going to learn from Jehoshaphat's prayer this morning. It says, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did did you not drive out all the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name, and we will cry out in our distress, and you will hear and save us. But now... But now here are men from Ammon, Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade and when they came from Egypt so they turned away from them and they did not destroy him see how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance verse 12 highlight it circle it underline it write it down so you can go home and read it later verse 12 our god will you do not judge them, for we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Right, so he's already said, hey guys, we're going to come, we're going to seek the Lord, we're going to put our eyes, we don't know what's going to happen, this, this vast army's attacking us, we're not sure what to do, but we're going to inquire of the Lord, we're going to trust Him, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Our eyes are on you. All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood before Stood there before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came to uh, Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Beniah, the son of Je- uh, Jehiel, the son of Mataniah, a Levite and descendant of Aspha. As he stood in the assembly, I love this, because what God gave another person in their group a word from the Lord. And he said this, listen, King of King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged because of that vast army for the battle is not yours, but it is God's. Yeah. 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 The battle is not yours, but it is Gods, Tomorrow, march down against them. They uh, they will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jerul. You, verse 17, highlight it, circle it, underline it, write it down. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position. Stand firm and see the deliverance of the Lord will give you. Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Man, I love that. I love just the encouragement. Man, it just jacks me up just reading this passage. I've been reading it for a couple years. I've taught on this probably multiple times, and every time I read it, it just gets me even more jacked up and more excited about what it is that God, because the reality of it is, is that we're all under attack, and the majority of us can't even see that we're being attacked. What does it say? The Bible told, Jesus said, the enemy, the devil, he roars around like a roaring lion. He goes around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, to take out, to kill. And that's him. We're under attack every single day. But the reality of it is possibly if you're not under attack, then you may not be walking in relationship with Jesus because the enemy may not see you as a threat. But what if, what if the church was a threat? What if we came together, we inquire of the Lord, we seek Him, we run after Him? It's really interesting, uh, last week, I had this dream that I got shot in the back. Yeah, that wasn't a fun one. But, but it was really funny, I just kept going. I just kept going, I got shot in the back, and, and, and the next thing I remember is being at a church conference with a couple other pastors. I go walking in. I'm like sitting in these pews, you know, where we have this church conference. And they're like, what was you? I was like, oh, I got shot in the back. And I'm like, you know, i take my hand off my back. And there's no blood, but I'm good. Right? And, and I realized that maybe what God's trying to remind me of is that the enemy's always after us. And his attempt is to shoot us in the back. Because I don't, most of the time he sneaks up on us. So here's the, here's the thoughts for today that we're going to finish the, re, uh, the reading in just a moment. The first thing is this, remember who God is, right? That's the very thing that Jehoshaphat started with in his prayer. Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you, right? So Jehoshaphat starts his very prayer out with saying, you know what, God, I know who you are. I know what you can do. I know that you rule over everything. And so I think that's a reminder to us today that when we're under attack, while we're under attack, then maybe instead of actually praying for the situation and asking God to do something for us, maybe we just need to say, thank you, God, for who you are. You see, because I think sometimes we use prayer like a vending machine. If I put my quarter in, if I take my time and I put my quarter in and I pray that special prayer, then I'm going to get out what I need. And to be honest with you, God doesn't work that way. He understands your need. Does he answer your prayer sometimes? Absolutely. But most of the time he does what's best for his glory and for your best. And so, when we start our times of prayer, then we start them in a place and in a position of praise. Thank you, God, for who you are. You rule over all the kingdoms. You already know what's going on. You already know what's going to happen. And so, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start my prayer with praise and thank Him for who He is. The second thing I believe that we see is that you have to know your enemy, he knew that Moab and and, and uh, Moab and the Ammonites and the uh, Minnonites that they, they were coming. They were coming after him. He knew that. He knew that they were he he alluded to the fact that he knew that they were a vast army, that they were much larger than him. And so he knew his enemy. And because he knew his enemy, he knew that his response had to be different. He didn't go out and prepare the troops. He didn't go do all those things. He said, hey guys, let's come together. Let's seek the Lord and let's let's watch what God's getting ready to do in these moments. But listen, they still put their armor on and they still went out to the battle. They didn't sit on their couch and eat potato chips. They still put their armor on. They still went out to the battle and they watched the deliverance of the Lord. And so, we have to know our enemy. Know that your enemy is addiction, then you know it. If it's something else, if, if it's relationships, then know your enemy. Know your enemy. Know what triggers your enemy to try and get all up in your grill and position yourself in the right place. That means sometimes removing yourself from that position. Taking something out of your life. Not going to places that you know that you shouldn't be going. Not putting yourself around people that you know that you shouldn't be putting yourself around. Spending money in ways that you know that you shouldn't be spending money. You have to know your enemy. But remember, we started by knowing our God first. Because we know that our God's going to take out the enemy. He's going to take out the enemy. The last thing is this. Prayer is your first position of warfare. Prayer is your first position of warfare. And if we have learned anything from the New Testament, the New Testament says that we're to put on the full armor of God. And so, when we start in our position of prayer, we still put our armor on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the sword of the Spirit. We still put those things on, but it doesn't mean that we still don't position ourselves in a place of prayer before we go to battle. I love it. Jehoshaphat said, man, I don't know what to do. He didn't know what to do in the battle. He knew who to go to. He said, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to win this battle. I don't know how to win this fight. So he acknowledged his weakness. He acknowledged his humility. And what he did was he said, but I know who my God is. And because of that, I can go. To war, but not until he put himself in a position of prayer did he go to war. Sometimes prayer is our last resort. We get into a moment, we get ourselves into a situation where we've kind of put ourselves in an old crap moment. God help us, Jesus, take the wheel instead of putting ourselves in a position of prayer. Because in a minute we'll see that it says that Jehoshaphat got face down. Now that's not a very good position of war, face down. But actually it was his best position of warfare. You see, because what I believe and I know to be true and probably you do too, is that prayer makes a difference. You're like, well, Pastor Chris, I've been trying to dunk it forever. And it seems like God's not showing up. The reality of it is he's already been there and he's already been doing something. You just didn't know it because maybe you you were too distracted by all the other things that were going on around you to see that God was actually already at work. Prayer makes a difference. And then let's see what Jeho- Jehoshaphat's response was. Um, verse uh, 20. I think it was verse 20, 18, sorry. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the uh, Kohathites, Kohathites and Korahites <laughs> stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Early in the morning, they left the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood. He said, listen to me, Judah and people of, of Jerusalem, have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord. What I love about that is he put the worship team out in front. He's like, okay, they didn't have weapons. He's like, hey guys, I want you to go to the front lines and I want you to start praying. I want you to start singing because we're going to bring glory and honor to the Lord. First thing. Sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. And as they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were were invading Judah and they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. And after they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. That's who our God is. That's the reminder this morning of who our God is, that we are to give thanks before war even starts. And so, my challenge to you this morning is to take your prayer life to a whole nother level. I'm not talking about in here. Because in here, the battle sometimes seems fairly easy because we're surrounded by each other. But it's when we Get out of these doors, and we get into the room alone. We get into the car alone. We go into some of these places that sometimes the pressure of the battle can almost feel like it's just too much. And so, for us to be able to win the battle, we have to position ourselves for prayer, and we have to start by giving Him thanks and praise. Don't wait till the battle comes because the battle's already started. Start to praise him now and position. If If I can speak to the young people for just a moment and whether you determine yourself a young person or not, that's up to you. Learn to pray. Learn to pray. Learn to take time to get alone and pray. Build the habit now. Moms and dads, if you're here, teach your kids to pray. Grandparents, if you're here, teach your grandchildren to pray. Don't make prayer your second thought. Make it your first thought position of warfare. I realize some of you are like, I don't know about this, Pastor Chris. You feel like you can't jump from the 10-foot line to dunk it. But the reality of it is, well, there was a goal here. It's actually possible. As we learn put ourselves in a place of prayer so you close your eyes with me for just a moment God I pray that right now you speak into the heart of each person here if, if prayer has been a small part of Kind of like a second thought, to be honest with you. And the reality of it is, for most people, prayer has been a second, just a second thought. Ask God to help you make it your first thought. Life is too fast-paced for us to not take time to pray. Like, well, Pastor, I mean, I hear this time and time again. Pastor Chris, I I just don't even know what to say. Okay, then sit and be quiet and listen and write down whatever you've kind of comes to mind. Just talk to him. Just talk to him. to do but that your eyes are on him. God, we need you. We desperately need you. God, I pray that for every single one of us, that from this moment forward, we would increase our prayer life. For the ones here who pray for five minutes, God, I pray that they would strive to go ten minutes. Those who do ten minutes, I pray they'd strive to go twenty minutes. There are some prayer warriors in here, God, that spend hours praying. Thank you for them. God, I pray that you would increase our faith. Remind us of who you are. Put ourselves in a position of prayer with our face down, knowing who you are. God, I pray if there's anyone in here who has never surrendered their life to you, I pray that right now in this moment, what I know to be true is that they're here because somebody has been praying for them. So if you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, maybe this is even your first time you've walked in this joint, you are here because somebody has been praying for you already. God's just waiting for you to make a decision to follow Him. Your prayer can be simple. Yes, Jesus. Will you be a prayer warrior? Will you increase your prayer life? Can we come together as the body of Christ and can we pray seek His face. And maybe before you leave today, you want to put yourself in a position of prayer. We open the front every single Sunday and give you that opportunity. So what I'm going to ask is for you to stand and if you want to put yourself in a position of prayer, you can do it at your seat. You can come forward. You can do it however you want Let's stand together. Let's worship together. Let's pray together. Let's honor the Lord together.